It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for tuning in to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please subscribe to our weekly Boston Bruins Hockey Talk on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify Podcasts. We'd certainly appreciate it if you give us show a five-star rating along with a written review. You can also subscribe to our official YouTube channel for a video version of our weekly program. If you'd like to support our show financially, please go to our blackandgoldhockey.com website and click on our affiliated fanatics banner before shopping online another way to financially support our weekly program is to become a patreon member to be eligible for weekly boston hockey prizes and monthly boston bruins hand signed jersey giveaways please go to patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast and donate just one dollar per episode many thanks for the continued support and enjoy the show What is up, Boston Bruins fans? Uh, Mark Oliver, host of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, doing a uh, episode 310 live stream, uh, Christmas Eve special, let's say. Uh, and uh, joining me uh, and giving up some some uh, much appreciated time is uh, Black and Gold Productions uh, writer, uh, Gail Triani. Gail, thank you very much for joining it, me. And, um, and welcome back to the program again. You're becoming a regular, madam. Well, thank you, Mark, for having me. I appreciate it. Um, it's a pleasure to be joining you on Merry Christmas Eve. And uh, hopefully we get some good Boston Bruins talk going today. I believe we will. There's a lot of great folks out there that are Bruins fans that obviously come in here and chime in uh, on the regular. So 
Um, by the way, I just I want to mention that episode 310 is brought to you by betonline.ag. Uh, please go to betonline.ag and use the promo code CLNS50 because it's Christmas time. It's the holidays, and uh, you love supporting your favorite Boston Bruins hockey podcast. So just do it because Mark said so. No, I'm kidding. I <laughs> uh, do. <laughs> Oh, excuse me. Obviously, I want to uh, wish everybody that, uh, that's tuning in happy holidays and, and hopefully your family and friends are all safe. And, and, you know, if you're going out, this is Christmas Eve. If you happen to be going out and, and partaking in alcoholic beverages, please don't drive. Please uh, grab a Lyft, grab an Uber, walk, grab a cab, get a friend uh, to give you a ride. But please do not go out and uh, ruin your life or anybody else's on this holiday season, particularly uh, coming up next next week when the uh, the new year turns around. So just be responsible and, you know, celebrate the holidays in good spirits while having some good spirits. <laughs> but uh, no, we're here talking Boston. Yeah, I know. We are here talking Boston Bruins. And uh, please uh, feel free to, um, to throw a question into the live chat and we'll try. We'll do our best to answer it. Uh, well, Gail's a very knowledgeable uh, uh, Boston Bruins fan, and um, she's a, a writer at BNG, and I really appreciate her time. But uh, I wanted to get started by talking about like the um, the Bruins alumni, and we kind of have like a partnership going on with uh, the Black and Gold Productions Sports Media Company and the Bruins alumni, and you've taken the puck and skated up the ice on this project. So I really want to get your insight on on um, the Bruins alumni, the last couple of events you've uh, you've attended as a media member uh, of our sports media company. So uh, if you have any uh, information about uh, upcoming events and so on, please, uh, please let us know, Gail. Okay. So first of all, it, it's been an honor and a privilege to um, become a partner with the Bruins alumni, because if you look at the players that they have on their roster, old and young, they all skated for the team that we love. If it weren't for those players, we wouldn't have the players that we have today. Um, You know, so, I mean, you look at Ray Bork and his son, Chris, they're skating together and and that's special in itself. And then you have Char's played in the last two games. Um, So, I mean, the ovation that he gets at the games is unbelievable. Mark Myers comes in and he plays and, you know, a lot of people may not remember Mark Myers. He only did one season with the Bruins, but as Rick Middleton says, no matter if you skated one game or 500 games, if your name was up in the marquee or if you were just a fill-in, you're a Bruin for life if you put on the sweater once. you know. So it, that just goes to show in the last two events, they've raised so much money for um, outside organizations. The Matt Light Foundation was the last one. Um, and to talk to Matt Light about what it means to partner up with the Bruins He's like, he's, he's honest. He's like, I know nothing about hockey. He goes, but the camaraderie between those locker rooms is amazing. And he said that Boston is really special for sports and their athletes because it is a true brotherhood. Um, the Bruins alumni do have two games coming up, Mark. Um, one, it, it, so they're, ta- they're off until after the first of the year. Uh, Rick Middleton had his last event last on the 18th. And Frank Simonetti is now the incoming president as of January 1st. And the first game he will be the president of is at the Songus Arena in Lowell, which I'm really hoping that Chara skates in that game, considering he was a Lowell lock monster. So I think that would be amazing if he skated there. But it's on January 15th at 2 o'clock. 
Um, and then they play up and um, back at Warrior Ice Arena again on the 21st. And they're playing the Warrior for Life Fund again. So that it's not as big as an event as the Nate Hardy Memorial game, but there's the two big events that, um, you know, one's more local and Lowell for the people up North um, and then down at warrior again. And it, the things that they do that they raise awareness, the raising the money and they just love to skate. Yeah. Hey, would, would it come full, would it come full circle if, if you were in Lowell covering that event and did you, cover chara when he was a player so no when when i started covering lowell they were already the lowell devils okay so i had um jordan parisi frank doyle keith coin played for them at at you know he yep. played for the lock monsters and for the and now he's a bruins alumni as well um i think he's an honorary member though um but he does play for the bruins alumni and um but Claude Julian was the coach of the New Jersey Devils when I covered the preseason game between the Devils and the Bruins. So that was kind of weird because Dave Lewis was the coach of the Bruins and Claude Julian was the coach of the Devils. And then they, you know, Julian came over the next season. So, yeah, that's but, awesome. Um, Kirk um, Kleinendorst was the coach of the Devils, the AHL club. Nice. But that that was a that was a fun venue to go to, um, you know. There's a lot of good hockey there, a lot of good players that you got to see, you know. A lot of them, the, a lot of the New Jersey, the Lowell Devils, made it up to you know the New Jersey club, and it was amazing to see those those kids rise, you know. Absolutely, and uh, two great events at the uh, Warrior Ice Arena recently, uh, raising a lot of money for. For some great causes and and you know uh these are fun events and and they're, they're very welcoming to family all uh, families you know kids and 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 old folk alike are all welcome to go and participate and support because the biggest thing is what they're doing is going out there and playing a game against um other teams and raising money for you know soldiers and children's cancer and all kinds of great events so uh it, it's really important to support these these gentlemen not only um, you know during their career, but also after the career, because they they continue to do great things for the community, and it's a lot of uh, a lot of ambassadors out there, you know, that want to um, spread awareness for what they're doing as well. And speaking of alumni, Chris Bork, um, I'm doing a story on this, and so you'll read it at blackandgoldhockey.com. Um, oh. Chris Bork is actually having his number retired by the Hershey Bears. On January fourteenth, that is a that's a pretty big deal for a hockey player to have his number raised to the rafters. Um, he joked that it was a different rafter than his dad. Um, so you'll read all about those quotes in my story. But uh, he definitely said he's going to reach out to Ray and have him help him on his speech. And you know, um, but it's going to be a nice event for him and his family to be out on the ice and have his numbers his number live up in you know. Hershey bear rafters for the rest of yeah. eternity, you know? So it's pretty special. Every name, your number retired. Absolutely. And, and in, in a venue like um, the, I think, no, it's not. Um, I don't remember the arena name, but um, Hershey has been a historic minor pro affiliate for a lot of teams in the NHL, but yeah. 
they packed the house in Hershey. I mean, they there's there's several arenas that really gravitate a lot of fans. And um, unfortunately, you know, the Providence Bruins, you know, they're playing well and so on. But I've been a credential media member for the several years through through that organization. And you really I've never really seen it full. It's it's really it's really sad that people don't get more involved in minor pro hockey and support that level because you're basically seeing the stars, the NHL stars of tomorrow today. Right. Yeah. So. I mean, if you think about it. You look at our stars that are here today, Marshan, Pasternak, Bergeron, they all played a season in Providence one way or another, you know, so, you know, and what it would be like to watch Mark McLaughlin or Fabian Lizell right now, watch them grow in Providence before they make that jump up to the NHL. Why don't we uh, take a moment to let the folks know that are tuning in. And we, I do want to appreciate, I do appreciate everybody that's that's watching right now. It's awesome. Um, Merry Christmas, obviously. But if you want to participate with a Bruins-related question, please add it to the live chat, and we'll do our best to answer all of them as we go on to on this episode 310 live stream Christmas Eve edition. Uh, we'd certainly appreciate the interaction. Um, but the uh, the Boston Bruins, let's give a, a quick update. Uh, are, are, are still a wagon. I love saying that. Still a wagon. Uh, they currently have 33 games in the books. They have won 27 and lost four and uh, two overtimes. 56 points. The unbelievable season so far. 50 points and not even at the halfway point of the year. Um, projected, I still believe they're projected to to possibly surpass 130 points which would be i believe an nhl record i'm not too sure about that i'm sure somebody will call me out on that but they are on a four game winning streak they are seven one and two in their last 10 18 0 and two at home nine four and oh on the road the home effort has been the best i have ever seen and this goes back to the old garden this is a team that's on a mission and they're doing it in front of their beloved fans. Um, thoughts on any of that information, Gail, that I, I just spewed out about how much of a wagon this Boston Bruins team is. It, it's amazing how much of a wagon they are. Um, I was ironically, when I woke up this morning, the history of the Boston Bruins was on Nesson again this morning. And I never passed up the chance to watch it. Um, you know, but talking about, you know, going back to the garden, never have we seen a team like this. I don't think, I not to my recollection. I was thinking back to the 80s and, you know, when they played Edmonton in those two Stanley Cup finals, I was trying to remember where they, but they weren't that, yeah, they were, they were a good team, but not this team. This team, they are on a mission. They're on, they are, but what scares me about it is that, in the past few games, they're not playing their game. They're getting no. caught on their heels. They're getting, they're letting up leads that they shouldn't be letting teams back in. They should have buried New Jersey last night. I don't know how it went from being 4-1 to 4-3 as quickly as it did. And again, penalties don't help, but that wasn't, it wasn't just penalties. They got caught on their heels and they got taken out of their game. And I know New Jersey's not a bad team, but the Bruins are better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's something that um, head coach Jim Montgomery has said several times 
in the past week or two that, you know, the the starts of the games is a little bit of a concern for him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, they still remain to be the uh, third period, the, the league's best third period team. But those those times aren't. I don't know. I get kind of nervous when you use the third period as desperation. Like you're backed into a corner and you got to fight your way out. Yes, I get it. You're getting the two points and you're making a serious effort to do that. But also we haven't seen a full 60 minutes out of this club in a long time, Um, regardless of how much of a wagon this team is. Um, When it gets to like the postseason and so on, you're going to have to put these efforts together sooner or later because if you're just a third period team in a seven game series, I'm sorry, you're not going to last long. Right. Especially when you're playing, once you're out of the East and you're playing in that cup final, if you're playing a team like Colorado, if they're fully healthy and you're playing a team like that in a, in a Stanley cup final seven game series, you got to put the full 60 because they'll, they'll blow you out. They will blow you out. And right now the Bruins beat them twice without half their lineup. And I know it doesn't matter, but it does matter. You know what I mean? Because what would have happened if we saw what, you know, being down against Carolina and they came back, they were down again, you know, they get down, they get themselves in this hole instead of just coming out and instilling their gameplay. There's only so much that the team can do because you're going to get injuries. You're going to, because there's that desperation factor where you make that play that you may not make if you're comfortable in your game and you can risk an injury too. And look at what happened when Clifton fell on top of Allmark, you know, because they were in desperation mode because they were down against Carolina. One thing I like about games like this is the leadership on this team. You know, um, there's a lot of players like Patrice Bergeron, Nick Foligno, David Krejci, you know, it's a real nice compliment of leadership when you're looking at getting the most out of your complete lineup. And we've seen it recently with Patrice Bergeron, even, I believe even Monty said something about, you know, Hey, it's, it's your room. Get, get what you can out of these guys. And, and that speaks volumes, you know, Patrice Bergeron is, is a very laid back and kind of, you know, quiet player, but when he needs to be, when something needs to be said, obviously, you're going to get the room and, and we're getting good results out of when he does say something or somebody else does, but. But um, I'm not so sure he's quiet in the room. I get that he's quiet out in the spotlight. He doesn't like, he's very humble. He doesn't like the spotlight on him, but he's always been a leader to the guys, which is why they want to win for him, which is why they want to play for him. So I'm not sure that he's quiet in the room itself. I think we don't get to see a lot of that aspect of him because before it was Char, you know, Char was very outspoken on the ice and off the ice. Um, So I think we're seeing it more this year because Monty is giving him the reins and saying, these are your guys, this is your room. You know, you take it first and then if not, I'll step in. Absolutely. Teresa has entered the chat. Teresa, thank you very much for joining us and the support. Please, uh, if you have a Boston Bruins related question, type away. We'd love to uh, try to answer anything that's on your mind. We'd certainly appreciate the interaction. That's what we're here for. 
Yes. Happy holidays, by the way, Teresa. Hopefully you and your family are, are safe and, and celebrating appropriately. Um, but yeah, anybody else that's in the in the chat or wants to participate, please type away. We, we have th th things that we can definitely talk about. The World Juniors, Jake DeBrusque, Passanac contract extension. We got so many things that we can discuss, but we're here for you guys. This is a Christmas Eve special, uh, black and gold style so uh and gail triani is with us please follow her at lady bruins fan on the tweet machine i'm sure she would love that she's a fantastic boston bruins writer for us at blackandgoldhockey.com and also does fantastic work with the alumni and um and a, and a really good article I, I i know is coming out about uh chris bork so i'm really looking forward to that so oh but anyway why don't we uh just start this uh, discussion with David Pasternak, how do we feel about his game and his stock value that seems to be getting higher and higher every time this guy hits the ice? He's got 24 goals, 23 assists, 47 points in 33 games. He's almost 50 points in under 50 games. Absolutely crazy. And he's on an 11-game point streak. How much of this great play from David Pasternak is – really pushing the Bruins and his agent to get a deal done. Well, I think this is the thing you have to remember too, is Pasternak always plays this way. He doesn't really, I mean, this, it doesn't matter that it's a contract year for him. It's the pride for him. It's his play. It's the way he does, you know, that that's one thing. Um, and if I remember correctly, the last time he needed to sign a contract, it came down to the wire. And I, I'm not sure he, he said numerous times, that Boston is where he wants to be. So if for some reason he doesn't sign in Boston, I will blame his agent before I blame anyone else. Even Sweeney. Because I, I, Pasternak wants to stay. Sweeney wants him to stay. The rest of the room wants him to stay. Everyone wants him to stay. If they don't get it done. But from what... So I've heard a couple of different things um, that they're going back and forth. But the league has to approve it. So they're not going to allow him to take a, a type of discount that like Bergeron and not that he would ever take that much of a discount, but they're not gonna, they want to set a standard. So they're not going to let him go lower. You know what I mean? So he's got to be at least eight times 88. You know what I mean? That's what it, it has to start there. And I think that even if the Bruins were like, well, let's go four at 6.5 and Pasternak was happy with that the league would shut that down. They would, the, the players association, let me say, not just the league, the play, like, cause they don't want to set a precedent of a player at his caliber where Bergeron and Krejci, it's a little bit different. They're more towards the end of their career where he's still in his prime. Yeah. It'll throw off the market. Absolutely. You know, for future free agents that want to go out there and test it, you know, that, that's, that, that would definitely do that. Um, Hey, Frank Izzo in the house. Thank you, Frank, for stopping by. I'll highlight that. He says, Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas to you too, Frank, and appreciate the support of you stopping by this um, Black and Gold podcast, episode 310, Christmas edition. Matt, Christmas, Hunt, Matt Hunt in the house. Uh, Matt's a frequent flyer to these live streams. Thank you, Matt, for stopping by. Uh, as, a, as for pasta, pasta contract, I worry that it will roll into trade deadline. If that occurs, do we risk losing him for nothing? 
This is a great question for this segment of, of pasta, pasta talk. You know, I wish I had some uh, Italian music going on. Like, like a bigger pizza pie. That's a more But anyway. I'm not Most Italian. Free- you can't tell that by my name. <laughs> <laughs> judging by the judging by the difficulty of, of saying your name you are italian <laughs> but um no a lot of people are freaking out about about this topic to be honest with you and it seems like every day we get closer to the trade deadline i'm not saying matt's freaking out or anything great question but his agent like like you touched on um gail his agent uh, JP Barry has notorious for waiting to the last minute to get things done. I'm very confident that a past and act contract will get signed. Extension will get signed. I think it's going to look north of 10 though. As much as I would love to have 8.88 that it's a pipe dream, but I'd love to see it. A team friendly deal at that number would allow the Bruins to work with other free agents to complete a goal. If this one doesn't, succeed you know if we don't win the cup this year i think next year is your window to open it up release the hounds release a lot of funds and get what you need to do to actually make that happen right um but um yeah i I, i'm confident i'm not going to worry until the trade deadline is about a week away i'm not even worried about the trade deadline because they're not going to trade him they're not going to trade him i'd be more worried um if he comes out, he himself comes out and says, I'm testing, I'm, t- I'm testing free agency. I want to see what people are going to give me. I'm not worried. I'm not worried until he says that. Um, okay. Because last year or it was three years ago. How long was this deal? Three or four years. I can't remember. It was three, wasn't it? Um, no, it was a six year deal. So, but when he signed that last contract, it was after the was, trade deadline when he signed, you know? No, it was one day after. Before. What? Uh, it was one day after oh, the training uh, camp. NHL training camp started. Yes, right. Him and so, McAvoy I mean, both signed on the same day. What a news day that was. It is so notorious, though, for this to happen. So I, I think that when you say, are we going to risk losing him for nothing? I don't think that, I personally, I don't think that's the case. Because I don't think that, because Sweeney is not lowballing him. You know what I mean? Sweeney yeah. is not going to lowball him. He knows that when the window closes on Bergeron and Krejci, Marshan's not that far behind. Marshan is not a young guy anymore. So he knows that he needs pasta with Lizell and McLaughlin and Zaka and, you know, these young guys that are going to continue to build this team. If he loses pasta, you might as well blow up the whole entire team and start from scratch. Because yeah. once Bergeron and Krejci are gone, and Marshan again is not that far behind, um, you, you have to fill those spots. No, so. I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. But to, to further touch on Matt's question, if we get past the trade deadline and he's not signed, that puts Sweeney in a very, very odd situation on what to do from there because, like, if he – and I know he seems happy and the the contract negotiations seem to be going on a daily basis. That's what we're being relayed to from the from the player and, and uh, Bruins management. 
in these press conferences and so on. So, but I, I there's an uncomfort level for me to have to be, be past that threshold and be like, we could lose him to the next biggest bidder. And that would really put me to like get on the phone. If I was my inner Don Sweeney, I would be just like on the phone trying to get something done. But you know what's going to suck for me is what's happening on this Boston Bruins team right now at 27-4-2 and two is the goal, the mission that they're trying to accomplish right now right. is a Stanley Cup. If you right. lose that piece and you all of a sudden add like several different pieces that don't have any chemistry with this team, obviously you, if you give up Pasenak, you're going to get round picks um, and, and players to come back, but you don't know what the chemistry is, is, will be. Exactly. Is that the right time to actually shake everything up when you're actually going for a cup? Unless you're, unless you're making a trade for uh, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl in the same trade, those, those two players can come right in and like basically win you a cup al- alone added with what we have right now, but still. Thank you for I, adding I just, that statement. Yeah. They haven't won a cup yet. Exactly. Exactly. All those number one picks and you still haven't won a cup. But while we're on the topic of trades, I want to throw this out there because there's so much talk about Taves and Kane. Good. And uh, I actually had a really long conversation um, with a friend of mine who's a huge Bruins fan. Um, he, He was like, oh yeah, Kane, Kane, Kane. I'm like, no, I don't want him. I don't if it, if it came down to getting one or the other, I would rather Taves than Kane just because he's a centerman and he's literally a second Bergeron. You know what I mean? Like Taves yep. to me is the epitome of what Bergeron is. He's my second favorite centerman ever. I love Jonathan Taves, um, but I still don't want him. You have to make it make sense. And I don't see where the sense is to go out and get a Kane or a Taves. And yes, I know Chicago would keep part of their their contract, but where do they where do they slot in? What are you going to do? Are you going to send? Are you going to break up the third line and put Kane on a third line because he's not going to go on a fourth line, and you can't break up the second line? There's so I mean, there's so many things going on. Like, where does he fit? And yeah. even the reason why I'm like Taves because at least you can then put Charlie Coyle down on the fourth line because. He's a better player than Thomas Nosek, Tomas Nosek. And, you know, Taves can center your third line of Hall and Frederick, which wouldn't be a bad line. But again, why break up that third line? It is arguably the best third line in the league. Agreed. Totally agreed. I'm totally on that, on that wagon of the, th- this is the th- best third line. Well, let's put it this way. It is the best third line, but, it really makes it better when Hall, Coyle, and Frederick. And I'm I'm actually surprised Frederick is doing this well on his off wing. Mm-hmm. It's very surprising. But he seems to be totally bought in on this uh, Jim Montgomery system, which is good. We're seeing the best Trent Frederick we have had in, in several years. Yeah. I've I've been on I've been rooting for this guy all the time. I've known the the, the talent. He had in the NCAA and the in the national development program. And and the weird thing about this, and I know I'm repeating myself because I say this in podcasts all the time. The weird thing about it is his offensive capabilities really came out in Providence. Really came out. Like he was a stud down the AHL. And I was just like, come on. 
usher that right into the NHL, get right up there as a first round pick. And then we didn't see it, which was disappointing. And it disappointed a lot of fans that had higher expectations for a former first round selection. And, And I get the frustration. He takes stupid penalties. I get it. We all make mistakes. I totally get it. Turnovers (laughs) suck, but we all make mistakes no matter what. Let me tell you something. You know who's really pissing me off lately on on penalties? But I'm not going to go on Twitter, and I'm not going to go on this podcast and trash a a, a player because of it. Taylor Hall has been making stupid penalties lately. But I'm not going to harp on him like it's the end of the world, like so many people do with Trent Frederick. So, Well, I think that because – the expectations is that for as many penalties or mistakes that Taylor Hall makes, he's going to make up for offensively, you know? So I think it's easier to accept his faults where a Trent Frederick, you're kind of like, you got to have, you got to have it, uh, the scales, you know what I mean? And and you don't have the scales. You're starting to see it now. Um, He's definitely growing under this leadership group and this new coach and, and speaking of Taylor Hall, he's on our third line. Yeah. Like he's yeah. on the third line, the former MVP that everyone thought, oh, his career's over. He's not producing. He's not this. He's not that. Look what he's doing on the third line. So you have a player like that. I mean, and that's why there's so many people on Twitter that are like, hey, guess what? Taylor Hall's a Bruin. You know what I mean? Huh. He bought into it. He doesn't. He doesn't care. He wants a cup. That's the thing about each player on this team. They want a cup. Bergeron wants a second one. Marshan wants a second one. Krejci obviously wants a second one. And then you have so many players that are going for their first one. You know, McAvoy remembers what it was like in 2019. You know, Grizzly remembers 2019. Carlo, God forbid, oh my God, he played his first Stanley Cup playoff. You know, he always got injured right at the end of the after year. Missing two, after missing right? two straight freaking playoffs, yeah. <laughs> right? So, I mean, you've got players like that are so hungry. They're so hungry. And they know that their window is closing. Carlo and Grizzlick know that they're not the top paired defensemen, especially let's talk about Hampus Lindholm. His oh. second season, his first full season with the Bruins. I mean, he is making Sweeney look like it, it, like I get it, people are still angry with Sweeney, but he really hasn't done that bad of a job. Best trade. The Lindholm <laughs> trade was the best trade Sweeney's made in his tenure as a Boston Bruins general manager. Yeah. You can you can bring me all the facts you want, blah 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 blah. He it is the best. And I don't care. I know a lot, not a lot, but there's a few people out there that were not happy with this trade because we gave up a first round pick. Right. But I'm sorry. I'm I, I I'm not Nostradamus or anything like that. I didn't I don't see things happening and blah blah blah. You know, I'm not a miracle worker. But I could tell you by knowing a little bit about Hampus Lindholm and how he played out in the West Coast with Anaheim for so many years, his mobility fit this style team. And yeah. obviously it is it is so good in a Jim Montgomery and John Gruden, shout out John Gruden, yes. defensive system. Because it allows a player like Hampus Lindholm to be more creative, more mobile. The guy seamlessly skates through all three zones. Like, 
somebody I used, I never watched, but I've seen video before. And I'm not going to say it because I'll get killed for it. But you see some some great things happening from him. And you and you compliment that by a Charlie McAvoy, who's probably going to be the next Boston Bruins captain of right. this organization. And his grit, his style, all three zone types of play. It was a great deal. And I, yeah. I, I, I was, you know me, I'm a prospect guy. I like right. to see this Boston Bruins organization do things to replenish the prospect pool because it's very weak right now. Even though some of these prospects are playing very well down in Providence under a Ryan Mujanel system and so on, we still need more. We yeah. need more assets, whether you need tradable assets or foundational prospects that need to come up through the, the prospect um, uh, pipeline like they did in 2015. Many right. people trashed 2015, but you know what? That was a pretty freaking good draft. If you get past the first round, blinders, people, they have the bl right. 2015 blinders. That's all you see is the first three picks that the Boston Bruins made at 13, 14 to 15. And the, and it's all ruined. Right. That draft was trash. Nobody thinks about the two through seven rounds that they got some pretty good players. Well, and the, the other thing is, too, is that people have to remember, too, uh, someone brought up, I, I don't know if it was on Twitter or if it was on the podcast, something, someone brought up, but what happens if one of our defensemen gets injured? That's why you have break glass in case of emergency, jack Right. Well, you also, I mean, hate to say it, but Mike Riley's down there. Yep. He had a you good know? game last night. It, but if he comes up, Will he clear waivers coming up? Or do he doesn't have to? Does he have to clear to come nope. up? No, it's only to go Is back he, down. Only, only down. Can, right. Yeah. So they, he can come they up, got rid of that then, rule a while but, ago. But you got a risk if he's playing well down in Providence. And if he comes up and he fills in for an injured player, you know, and if he plays well up here, then you risk losing him. That's actually, actually, wait a minute. I'm, I'm trying to think right now. Because he passed through waivers earlier in the season and nobody claimed him, I he's think good. I think he's good. He's good. But I could be wrong on that. Um, I don't I'm not all privy on the, the rules of the waiver thing, but I think if you do go through earlier, you can go through again. But here's the thing, though, is is never mind the waiver process. You've also got to think about the other avenues of of adding a player like Mike Riley in NHL defenseman. Let's be honest. Right. Is his salary is his AAV still comes with him. Right. So you have to still massage the, the salary cap to accommodate his arrival. So that's tough to do. It really is. But, so when they put Craig Smith on waivers though, and he cleared and put them in, they put him on the Providence roster that cleared up. I forget how much, cap space each day Only he was a on little the over a million oh right? yeah i'm not sure about but, it, but it's by how many days he's on the roster so is that the same thing for riley are it they could clearing be. up like i wish this is where i i, I need dom where's yeah. I, I need dom, I, dom if you're listening i need your help on this um you know what i mean like i i think that doing a little bit of research on that might be a um might be a article worthy Hmm. I think uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> I 
no no it, it's a it's a it's a good conversation to have though it's like it's, you know um when you talk about craig smith and so on i'm just not seeing it with him at all this year and we do need to shed some space and so on i know that the uh salary cap at the trade deadline is is going to be uh pretty significant um to be honest but it could be even better if we can get craig smith off the books but i still think that uh, i really want it like wagner is still making nhl money down in the ahl right. riley is doing the same thing anton strawman who is not reported yet to the providence bruins right. is still making nhl money even though it's a, a million dollars whatever and it's prorated whatever you want to call it but then if you add craig smith you know that's just a lot of talent down there with a lot of money that's just it seems to be wasted in my opinion um but do i want to bring up the black cloud go for it and we'll get to uh blaine castle's question the, uh, right the after. black cloud is uh who where does um I, I i i tried to block him completely out of my brain where oh his boy. contract sits oh boy um, oh my God, the black cloud that was over the Bruins. Um, oh my God, I can't think of his name. Miller. Uh, oh, oh Mitchell Miller. Yes. Oh yeah. I, Where I does totally his contract sit? Because they're paying him. Since he's been on the Bruins roster or fifty-man roster. They have paid him $116,000. Right. So where does that contract sit, though? Does that go against the big club's cap, or does it go against? Um, no, that would go against the, um, Providence? the big club. Yeah. The big club. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean. When you, when you think about the AHL Providence Bruins, if you're on an AHL-only contract, that's got nothing to do with the Boston Bruins. Right. If you're on a two-way contract right. that does involve the boston bruins and is that what he's on a two-way uh yes because it would it would have been like an entry-level status so okay. yes that would be two-way status as well i mean that alone hello yeah but I, i'm expecting the boston bruins just to buy him out and get rid of it at the end of the year yeah that was help us this year you know, yeah, I know. And then they did the whole vetting process and so on. And, and, you know, I don't remember the person's name, um, but it used to be, um, uh, I don't even remember the word for that role, but it was a, a pretty significant role that somebody came in and, and did the vetting process and, and basically said that the Boston Bruins did and didn't do anything wrong, but right. we all, the you know, the, the common the wrong decision the, whether they did something wrong or not. Yeah, yeah. Decision. I mean, somebody had to know that this backlash was going to happen and and to be expected. Um, you know, and and fully accountable. The Bruins management dropped the ball on this, in my opinion. But they also, I mean, Cam Neely also came out and said that we we didn't do we didn't do our job to the fullest. We we really let a lot of people down on this decision and they have to be better. So at least he's coming out and saying that they're being accountable about it. But still, I just don't like the idea that they're paying this kid money that for the, the things that he did. I, right. I don't agree with that. And, and I've been a long time Bruins fan for well over 40 years. That particular day really hit me hard. It was like, wow, this is, this is, this is how we're going to look now. You know, I mean, well, the, 
But what the part that gets me is that yes, we know the Bruins messed up. I mean, they did. They they messed up. They but how does I, I still don't get how the contract was registered, and then Batman comes out and says he's not eligible to play. Yeah, like so it seems to me that there's like there, there's just so much more that went on there that we'll never know. We will never know. You know what I mean? One- but, if he's not eligible, then why did the contract get registered? One thing I want to touch on is what you're talking about right there is that particular time when Batman didn't know about the registered contract. Yeah. Batman was overseas with a lot of his uh, the league officials and so on doing a, I think like a kind of like a board of governors kind of meeting international. Okay. And isn't it weird that they would do that while he's out of the country? Well, I it's mean- almost like. It's almost like firing your coach during a Patriots celebration parade in Boston. Well, I mean, the fact that when they signed him, <laughs> all they did was put the logo up. They didn't put a picture or his, you right. know, they didn't blast it. They knew, like, someone somewhere knew this is not a good idea. It just seems sneaky to me. It's yeah. just kind of like, you know, I, I'm a little bit of a conspiracy theorist when it comes to stuff like this. So kind of like wow, the 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 commissioner and the deputy commissioner are both out doing international things, right. and then this fucking happens. So right. I don't know. Yeah, let's uh let's get away from the Mitchell Miller talk because yeah. the guy's uh, a piece of trash in my opinion, and I have no time for people like that. Uh, but I do have time for Blaine Castle, and he comes in with this question, which is interesting because it's talking about the Providence Bruins and. And a certain player that got picked in 2018 in the thir- third round pick, I believe. But it's like he's wants to know our thoughts on Lauko. I see something in him. Blaine, I do too. But there's a lot of different things to unpack when you talk about a player like Jacob Lauko. Uh, he does have the talent to be a, a, a pretty good goal scorer. But I think he's really learning more on a role that will keep him in the lineup more consistently. And that's the gritty, aggressive style play that has been known to be Boston Bruins hockey. Um, So I'm kind of like torn on where he actually ends up because one is weighing out the other and it's not the goal scoring. It's not the point production. It's more of the aggressive style play. And Ryan Mujanel down in Providence has really, put him on a third and fourth line a lot. Uh, And I I don't think it's because it's a demotion of you need to be better. I think it's a demotion of if you're going to get the call up to Boston, this is the role you're going to be playing. So you might as well get used to it. Um, He's not going to get a recall to be up on the right side next to Bostonac and, and, oh, um, um, sorry, Bergeron and Marchand. It's not going to be that. If there's an injury that goes up, the, the the players move up and then here comes a player like Jakob, uh, Jacob Lauko. Um, I just want to see him more offensive. I, I really want to see that game he had with uh, the Nuranda Huskies in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League that I saw and, and some of the Providence Bruins games that I saw in the past when he was really a, a lethal threat when you talk about offensive capabilities, but I'm not seeing it right now. So to be honest with you, I really don't know about his role. He is on his uh, the last year of his entry-level contract. 
Um, and I think they, they, they might resign him. I'm not totally sure. Um, but I really don't see him being a steady NHL just quite yet. Um, it, it, obviously, it's going to depend on departures next season. You know, right. if Craig Smith's gone, that opens up a door. But does that also open open up a door for a guy like Fabian Lysol, which we're going to talk about a little later on? You know, um, so there's plenty of things to talk about. And Blaine, Blaine also says he sees sniper capabilities in him. Not sure if I agree with that, Blaine. Um, he, he's a good player. He does have a good shot and so on, but he's just it just seems like he's playing a different role um in my opinion i don't see the sniper at all i honestly uh, i follow the the uh providence bruins through you and jim so i don't get to see his play as much uh but the coverage that you and jim give us definitely is top notch um is in terms of being able to know about the prospects um when he did play in boston i um the thing is yeah he Again, I'm not him learning and different stuff like that. Where does he fit? The, to, to your point, right now you have Greer and Smith that are coming in and out, in and out, in and out. You can't do that to him if you're wanting him to learn. He needs to stay down there and get the playing time. That's my. I've always felt that way. I'd rather have the younger guys that are still learning getting the minutes down in Providence than riding the press box up in um, Boston. Great segue into something that I wanted to discuss anyway, Gail, was <laughs> those players down in Providence that are seemingly earning that time, those prospects that you want to have trust in them and give those NHL opportunities first. A yeah. lot of them I'm not seeing. Uh, I, I am seeing it with uh, Georgie Merkuloff and Fabian Lysel and, and other prospects and so on, but I'm not seeing it a lot with uh, many of these players that are currently under the NHL rule. I am seeing it with somebody that I am actually writing an article about now, but this is a real think piece for me because I want to, I want to make sure I'm covering all avenues of this, this opportunity. And for me, if Craig Smith isn't working out, and A.J. Greer is not working out, and you still have to do something internally for this Boston Bruins organization and their roster internally. I'm not saying trade or anything like that, because ultimately Mm -hmm. you would want to trade for a really good right wing for the mission at hand, and that's to win the Stanley Cup this year. But if you're doing it internally, you got to look at Vinny Letary down in Providence. He is just... He's been a, just a consummate pro that's been totally bought in to, since the day he reported down in Providence. I said in the offseason, it's going to be interesting to see how he does. Um, obviously, he passed through waivers at the beginning of the year, but just came in with a really good attitude. And his point production has been phenomenal. He leads Providence in points. Um, I don't have the uh, all the numbers up right now, but... He's working with players like Georgia Mikulov on the left side. He's working with players like uh, Fabian Lysel on the right side. And he's been that inspirational leader for those young players like that. And he's also just, he's lethal on the power play. I'm not saying that if he comes up to Boston at all anytime soon that he'll get on the PP1. He might hit the PP2. I'm not sure. But his mobility and creativity, and he has an NHL shot. 
a one-time shot down in the AHL that is absolutely lethal. He's got like, I think, seven or eight power play goals already. And he moves the puck well. He's a, he, he's undersized, which is always going to be one of those uh, hindrances when, when Bruins fans are always like, we need the big, bad Bruins type of player. But I think Vin Letary can be a little more productive than a guy like um, uh, Craig Smith. I like AJ Greer and everything too, but AJ's really his game's really starting to, you know, go a little uh, south in my opinion. But um, that's what happens when you're not playing; like you're playing once right. every two weeks, you know. Right. Well, and plus, you if you look at even the fourth line, I mean, Felino, yeah, he's starting to taper off a little bit, but he's having a, such a much better year than he did last year, and. Um, you know, so you look at, you look at the, the lines from top to bottom. And so the fourth line is the line that's getting the least amount of minutes. So how does, so how does Vinny benefit from playing those little minutes this year? You know what I mean? Because it just, I, I don't, that it goes back to my thing of, I'd rather see them grow and do the things that they're doing down there, getting the minutes so that when they come up, they don't get sent back down. You know what right. I mean? Um, right. Where, where did, where do these players, even the players that are NHL ready, there's not a spot for them right now. True. There's and not you, you always run into that. If it ain't broke, don't fix it scenario right. as well. You know? And like we, we've said several times on this program today, this live stream that the Bruins are a wagon. So, um, but I mean, if it, it comes down to it at the end of the season where they've automated, they've clinched it, you know, then you want to sit to rest some guys, but that also do you sit to rest them and have them get rusty. I mean, most guys don't want to sit. They, right. they want to play. They, they need to stay engaged, you know, so that that's the other that's twofold, you know? So it's just so hard to, I don't envy making those decisions on the brass. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because those are tough decisions to make. How do you say to, you know, pasta, you're playing great, but I don't want to risk you getting injured. So I'm going to sit you for a couple of games to bring, you know, cause then that may take pasta out of his groove. Or yeah. what if he's on a milestone watch? What if he's two goals away from 50 or, you know what I mean? How do you justify sitting him? You know, so there's so much that goes into that. Oh, absolutely. And thank God we're not in a situation where they're going to like even think about sitting Pasternak. Guys right. in an 11 game freaking point streak right now. <laughs> Hopefully it continues. But no, I mean, it's just one of those things that I think about. I, I do cover the Providence Bruins pretty thoroughly, but he's just been, Vinny Letarius has been really, really good. Just bought into his role. Is he's, uh, you know, he's 28 years old, I believe. He, you know, did well uh, a couple of years ago uh, while playing with the New York Rangers uh, affiliate in Hartford. So I got to see him a lot. And that's probably one of the reasons why he was added to this Boston Bruins organization was how many times we saw him as an, as the opposition on the other side. And like, you know, hey, that, that player would look really good in black and gold. And obviously he it made it happen. But he's on a one-year, two-way. So... But I, yeah, I can I definitely agree with you that a guy like Vanilla Terry will probably be that that type of right wing and center um, possibility for the end of the year to to give a couple NHL games as a thank you and say, you know, 
you know, because they do they do do that. And I could definitely see that with Fabian Lysel as well at the end of the season. But, um, you know, he's Fabian's a little different, though. I think that I like Vinny because he's got the NHL experience and he's good two way player. Fabian Lysel, this is his second year in North America uh, playing hockey and so on. He's great with the puck. He's got good speed and so on. But his two-way game still is a work in progress. You know, when he's away from the puck, that's when I need him to be a better player. And that's the type of role that you see with NHL um, in um, uprises, you know. You see, if you have a good two-way game, you're probably going to be in the NHL a lot sooner than later. I don't see that game in uh, in Fabian Lysel quite yet. But we'll talk about him later on, definitely, because he's playing for Team Sweden in the uh, World Junior Championships up in Halifax, Nova Scotia, which is starting on um, Monday. Monday the 26th? Yes, up in Halifax. So, um, But... Where do we go for now? We're about six minutes away from our mid-show break. And before we hear from show sponsor, betonline.ag, do you have anything to eat up about six minutes? Or actually, anybody anybody in the chat want to add uh, a topic or a question for us? That would be great. We'd love that. And, and thank you very much, by the way, for the new folks that have come in and joined uh, this live stream. Um, happy holidays, everybody. Hopefully, you and your family are safe. And, uh, and, and okay during this holiday season. I know I'm repeating myself, but but uh, I don't know. Unless we want to hit the um, the mid-show commercial, or you you got something, Gail? Well, we could also talk about the schedule. Yeah, you know, go for Jack it. Was, Jack was in an uproar about the schedule oh, last Jesus. game. It's been, it's been an uproar about everything lately. Um, You know, I, every team goes through it at some point where they play back-to-back games on travel, you know, but it does seem that these couple of games, especially against a team like New Jersey, you know, they're the second half of the back-to-back in the Bruins of the traveling team. So, I mean, that I could, we could talk about that. We could also talk about the fact that, no, we're not going to talk about that yet, about the fact that the Bruins haven't even played Montreal yet. Yeah, I know. That's we'll, a bad we'll discussion. Hold that for later. That's a second half discussion. <laughs> yeah. Matt does have a question, though. Yeah, he does, actually. And it's an interesting one. He says, I heard Monty penciled Zaboral into the lineup last night. Any reason why he changed his mind? I am not totally sure about that. Um, unless he had um, Zaboral on the back burner for somebody that was un possibly unable to go uh, in the current lineup. So um, I'm not sure who that would be, but uh, Jakob, uh, Jacob uh, is just, I really had high hopes for him in the preseason. I thought he played really well. And then all of a sudden the regular season came and the game just kind of went south a little bit, um, you know, and he's coming off of a pretty significant leg injury and surgery and so on. But, you know, if you're not 100%, especially at that role and the depth that we have on D, you know, what are you going to do? You're not going to get a lot of playing time. Matt says, um, I like Grizz, but I think he could do with a rest. I don't know. Um, I'm torn on that. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I don't too. think I I like Grizz too, and yes, he's been frustrating this year, but I don't think Zaboral's an upgrade for Grizz. No, I don't think so either. So that's I think where... I kind of think Zaboral right now is just one of those those seven, eight rotational defensemen. You know, it's good to have the depth and so on. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if um, if that if Providence is going to be an idea for him because um, that's that's a player that would definitely have to go through the waiver process and and is it is it worth it for the Boston Bruins to lose him for nothing? I don't know, but it, but it would trigger all the 2015 pundits out there. <laughs> like we finally got rid of this guy and that terrible draft. Oh Jesus! Uh. But anyway. We're coming up on an hour right now, so why don't we hear from our show sponsor, BetOnline.ag. BetOnline.ag remains your number one source for all your football, basketball, and hockey bets this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup information, player news, and game trends all at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is always your continued source for your sports wagering information, including live betting, free contests, along with live scores, and for almost any sport or game imaginable. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, such as the NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf and other special sporting events. Head over to the betonline.ag website to set up a free account and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first cash deposit. Make sure you use our promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50 to receive all these fantastic rewards. Betonline.ag, it's where the game stats. And I use that New England accent stats. (laughs) I love when Evan and Connor do it. Do Do you listen to the Bruins beat? No. Oh, you should. That's a great, great, uh, great podcast, in my opinion. All right. But we are back, and we love uh, BetOnline.ag. And uh, BetOnline.ag actually came out with their latest um, odds, and the Boston Bruins are now a favorite to win the Stanley Cup in 2023. Took them long enough. I know. Got to love that. They, <laughs> they uh, Colorado was up there for the longest time, so they must be uh, sliding down the rankings, which means – the Boston Bruins wagon just jumped. You right still in. can't count Colorado out yet, though. I no, mean, I don't believe so either. No, but the injuries injuries in Colorado are really freaking hampering them. You know, yeah. I think Landeskog is out. I think for the season. I could be wrong. I knew McKinnon went through a little bit of an injury issue and so on, but I don't yeah, know. if they don't, if they don't, if they're not to full strength, then you can count them out. But if they start getting players back, I mean still but i don't know all right let's talk about um 2023 the world juniors that is coming up uh on uh the day after christmas which is canadian boxing day and um there's two boston bruins uh prospects that are involved in this i believe i could be wrong uh i i i did my research and i just i think that fabian lysel is going to play for sweden and Dan's Luckmelis is going to play for Latvia. And these two players have done well in their respective leagues. Obviously, Fabian Lysel um, playing down in Providence uh, is, is, is good. And we already talked about his two-way game that could use some work. But he's putting in some points. He's getting some goals. He's working really well with Vinny Letary and Georgie McCuloff down there. Um, 
but I think this is a really good opportunity for Fabian um, to 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 get a resume builder. You know, as he continues to develop as a young forward, and being around your countrymen and 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 friends that you that you probably grew up with playing this awesome game is going to be important for him um, moving forward. But I, I, I get a lot of pushback from people like, why are the Bruins uh, allowing him to go? He should be the first call up if needed. And I got to say, I have to agree with what the Boston Bruins are doing right now. And this, this does tell me that he is not an immediate call up if needed. If he was an immediate call up if needed, then I don't think that they would go because they would need him. So, um, like I said, it's a good resume builder for him to be with his countrymen and so on. Um, it's a fantastic tournament. Uh, if you do pay attention to it, it's it's it, it is awesome. Um, and Dan's Luckham Ellis is um, playing for Latvia, and he's playing well overseas. I think he's going to be an NCAA commit next season so he'll be closer to home for for those um uh, you know scouting missions and so on for the Bruins organization uh he's a crafty forward got some skills got some speed uh sneakingly good pick for the Boston Bruins um so I'm think, looking forward to uh, go ahead Gail I was just gonna say too I think that part of the fans problem uh is impatience they want it now. They want it yesterday. They don't want to wait for it to be the right time. And and that's not a bad thing. You want the best for your team. But there is a lot of impatience in New England. And a lot of it has to do with the successes of the New England teams. So, And when you see a player that has all that capability that you know is going to be a phenomenal player, you want it now. But you have to wait. You have to let it grow. So. That's just my two cents. Yeah. Um, I, I'm looking forward to this tournament, as I always do every year, particularly because there's, there's Bruins uh, players involved. Um, and I'm not sure about TV and so on. I think most of it's going to be on the NHL network for us down here in the States. Um, Beth has a question. I don't know if you could see that. Yeah, I do. Um, do you think Zavora was brought up too soon? Um Beth, I don't believe so. Um, I think that the Boston Bruins didn't want to lose him, but also wanted to give him an opportunity. But now they're kind of stuck in that opportunity because if they if they do want to like bring him down, he has to go through the waiver process. Um, but I mean, he's a 2015 first round pick. He's been with the organization for several years. Uh, I think that this was the right time to bring him up and see what he had. And I thought he really worked well last season before his leg injury and his mm-hmm. surgery, of course. Um, you know, getting consistent time, you know, covering for, a, you know, a down uh, blue liner. I thought he did well. And I was like, wow, this, this is the Zaboral I wanted to see that was drafted and so on. And, and we kind of saw glimpses of that when he came into this preseason workouts. Uh, and, and then these um, the preseason games. And I thought that, wow, we got Saboro back. And, but it's been a kind of a, kind of a disappointing thing for, you know, fans and, and probably himself that he just can't consecutively can, yeah, get in the lineup uh, with any consistency. Well, I mean, who do you, who do you sit? 
Yeah, it's like you don't sit Connor Clifton. No, like, and I think at the beginning of it, if if you look at the Connor Clifton of last year, you may have an argument, but not this year, not this year at all. So guys, the guy, yeah, um, Clifton is leading the team in hits and block shots. Yeah, it's just really his commitment to the club this year is is just it's amazing. It is a contract year though, so he's definitely doing it for for future evaluations and and future work here in the Boston Bruins organization. But we also don't know if it's Montgomery. I mean, it could, could be, be just I mean, it could be the voice in the locker room. It could be the lifting up instead of, you know, calling him Kenny Rogers, you know what I mean, saying that he knows when to hold him, knows when to fold him. I don't know if you saw it, Monty had made those comments about Yeah, I did. Um, Clifton but, I mean, that could have a lot to do with it. It could be the fact that uh, Lindholm is now here a full year and you've got his leadership and McAvoy's leadership, so you don't need as many minutes out of Clifton, although he's getting them. You know what I mean? Oh, but you yeah. don't need The pressure's not on for him to always, but he's succeeding. Um, so I think a lot of that has to do with that. I don't, I don't know if it's just his contract year. I think a lot of it has to do with, this year and last year are two completely different, you know, and he, he knows the mission is to win a cup, you know, yeah, and he's not, absolutely. he wants his name on the cup. He doesn't want to be on the ninth floor and not having the shot at his name being on the cup because he's not playing right. Uh, Ryan comes in with a question about Lysel. Lysel has looked really good, but for some reason he doesn't seem to get ice time at key moments. I'm, can you, I, I, Wonder Ryan if you could uh, elaborate on that a little further, because um, I'm not. I'd have to push back a little bit on that because I'm seeing him getting a lot of these 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 um these minutes down in Providence. Uh, I'm not sure if you're talking about the NHL level or not, but a little confused on that one. Sorry. Matt Hunt comes in and says that he watched Luck Mellis play for Latvia and the World Juniors this past summer. Uh, he looks. He really impressed me. Yeah, he's got. He's got really good speed, um, good creativity. Like I said, a sneakingly good pick for a later round for this Boston Bruins organization. And I like the idea that he's going to be bringing his Euro game to North America. I think the rumor is the last time I talked to uh, Dom Tiano. Shout out Dom Tiano, and also shout out Kevin O'Keefe. Merry Christmas to those two guys. I missed the frig out of those guys on this program, but. Uh, we we power through with uh, with a lot of BNG members that uh, like Gail that have the time to join us and get the content out. But um, I'm a big fan of Luck Mellis and where he was picked and and his progression and I, and hopefully that um, he does good. I think it's Western Michigan. I think it's the same college that Brandon Bussey went to that he might be going to because there was a rumor that he was going to go to the USHL, the Youngstown Phantoms. But that got squashed really quick. But uh, if you're going to go to the USHL, there's always a path to the NCAA shortly after that. So uh, who knows? But look forward to his arrival if it happens. Um, Just want to, again, mention thank you very much to everybody that's in the stream right now and participating with questions. If you want to ask, ask away. Keep typing these questions up because it keeps us busy and keeps this uh, the flow going. We'd really appreciate that. Um, we also do have a Patreon account that we're going to talk about later on. We did pick a winner, 
and I'm wicked excited to uh, to announce that when we end the show. So stick around. It is a Derek Sanderson hand signed jersey, fully authenticated from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. Bruce Sullivan is my boy, my boy Blue. So uh, he's going to be. Um, we're going to be giving this away later on today. So exciting stuff coming up. Ryan says at the World Juniors. He doesn't get much power play time and seems to get less ice time when trailing in games. Um, not sure about that, Ryan. You might have the upper hand on this conversation, my friend. Uh, I haven't seen much games at all. Chad Laidlaw, what's up, Chad? He says, cool jersey, sweet, oh, sweet, cool jersey. Uh, thanks for stopping by, Chad. Appreciate it. Um. Jeez, where do we go now? Let's talk about why don't we get into this conversation? Because we did this pre-show. The idea of the NHL going to an 84-game schedule. I know we talked about it because you provided a very good question on last week's program. You called, you called this number. And if anybody wants to participate in the uh the black and gold hockey podcast listener hotline. Please check out this number, write it down, call us 24-7 worldwide, and we will get, if, it, if your question's good enough, it's respectful, and you're not 3 o'clock in the morning drunk, eating bar pie in New York somewhere, give us a call here at 978-504-2727, and we'll add your audio. We do have three calls that came in this week, and we're going to get to those uh, shortly. But um, the 84-game schedule is just a nightmare for me to think about. Yes, number one, it is revenue for the organizations. That's fine. Extra money in the, in the, for the players as well in the, uh, in the profit-sharing kind of scheme of everything. But to me, it's not addressing the need to play more divisional games. Now, hear me out. I and I flipped out. I didn't flip out on Gail, but I did it on the mic earlier. <laughs> but it really racked my brain when I was watching the Seattle Kraken play the Vancouver Canucks not long ago. And the announcer says that these two teams have played six times already. And it's not even the halfway point of the season. That frustrated me right there. It absolutely put me into a rage of hate for this league and how they do things because we, as Boston Bruins fans and all the people in the Boston Bruins community who have grown up on the Boston Bruins versus Montreal Canadiens rivalry and the hate that they have for each other, mm-hmm. has yet to see one game this year. Right. One game. It makes That's absolutely no sense. And if I'm not mistaken, I'd have to look back again. But there's only three games against Montreal in this whole 82-game schedule. And I find that absolutely annoying. I I don't understand why we're not playing more divisional games. We can even touch on how the playoff structure is going to add up with the if we think about the one through eight and so on. But thoughts on the, uh, you know, elaborate on your phone call that you gave us last week, Gail. And uh, what are your thoughts on 84 games? So the NHL was um, 
talking about adding two games to 84 games so that there would be more divisional play. But my problem is, where does that help? It's only two games. We're not even seeing Montreal until March 24th. That's so, crazy. Um, and, and I think it was Steve on the podcast that you and I talked about this before. Um, I think it was Steve that touched on it that there's too much Western Conference play. You know, there. I yes, I get it that you want to see Connor David and um, you want to see Cal McCarr. And there's plenty of players in the Western Conference that you want to see. But the fact that you have to play out of your own division in this horrible playoff format, which, sorry, I can't stand this format. I like the one to eight. Um, you have to play out of your division, but you're not playing your division. You're not playing them now. So you can't build up that rivalry that's supposed to be there if you're not even playing your own division. They're playing Montreal three times. They don't see him until March 24th. They've only faced Toronto once so far. I mean, that's another huge one. I mean, they've only, but they've already played Colorado twice. They've played Arizona twice. They've played, um, the Las Vegas twice. Where's our own, where's the, the division rivalry, even the Eastern conference, never mind just the division. They played Carolina once, you know what I mean? Like where those are the rivalries that fans get up for. Yeah. You want to see the superstars. You want to see Connor McDavid. It doesn't have to be every year. Yeah. It doesn't have to be every year. I can watch them on TV. <laughs> That's a- I agree. I, I just, I think that we need to get back to, and when I say we, I mean the league, they need to get back to the format of the one to eight seed um, for the playoffs. And they need to have it, the reseeding that was unique in the NHL. It was the best playoff format. And I don't know, I, I think COVID changed things. It was prior to, I don't know what it was. I don't know why they changed it. It was one it of was those. football. But, but football plays sixteen games. But they also have the wild card, and that's why that's why it got implemented into hockey because it was so successful over there. Because you were getting those marquee matchups. But and we're we're getting these marquee are, matchups. But then you have to take away some of the seedings. Like you have to do it almost like baseball. You know what I mean? Because you're playing eighty-two games there's too many teams that are making the playoffs. So if you want to do it like football, you need to go like baseball and be at your division, your division. And you know what I mean? And that's it. Not eight teams from both conferences. You need to either shorten the playoffs, which is stupid because it's the best hockey ever. Yes. Or you need to change the format. You can't be, you're not football. You're the NHL. You're not football. So the only thing you could mimic for football that I agree with, and Steve touched on this, is that who so they play uh, whoever wins the conference, whoever wins the president's tro- not the president's trophy, whoever wins the Western Conference, that division is who you play next year. You know what right. I mean, or whatever, however it works. But you don't have to play all the divisions in the Western Conference, at least well, not every year. What I don't like about this this whole wildcard structure is the you open up to playing Toronto all the time, and we have we've seen it we've seen it since the wildcard was implemented, and the it, you know 
obviously Toronto can't get out of the second, out of the first round, but still a um, little jab at the Leafs. But eventually um, they will. Yeah, they're going to get better. You know, every every team is going to get better regardless. Look how many years it took for Boston to beat Montreal. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Even going back to 2008, they lost in Game 7 in 2008. They finally beat them in 2009, and then we know what happened in 2000. No, not 2009, 2010. We know what happened in 2010. We won't revisit that. Exactly. But we did get 2011, so. Yeah. I mean, I just want to see more divisional games. I, I, I could really give a crap about going out West. I, number one, I don't like the times, 1030 games, nine o'clock games. Not for me. I would rather have play 82 games in your, in, in your respective conferences. Yeah. And then in the playoffs, you obviously meet each other at the Stanley Cup finals. Well, I mean, the you other know? thing is too, is that the players can't like the travel. No. You, you know, if, if you mean? hear if, if you hear a lot of like hockey podcasts that have former players on them, they constantly talk about how much the travel beats the players up. You know, it's just, it's something that it does something to your body. I've never really flown much. I've, you know, I, I flew in a, a two prop freaking Cessna one time going to a hockey tournament, but that's, that's about my flying. And that was scary enough going over the freaking, um, not the, uh, I don't even remember the mountain range. It's near us. The Appalachian Mountains. Yeah, I went over there and it kind of like it was up and down. It's just it almost reminded me of the plane on the uh the movie, the baseball movie. Uh, oh, what the hell? What about the Cleveland Indians? Uh, I don't remember what are you talking major about league. Major league. Major league. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, we're gonna be on that plane. It's like, no, no, no. Here's your here's your plane right here. Yeah, that was the one that was. So as someone anyway. that I used to live in California for a short period. I'm born and raised here, but I lived in California for a short period of time. And I got to tell you, the time travel when you're when you're flying from New England to to out west or vice versa, it just you know to have the Bruins. They played Arizona, and then they had to fly home. They were on. They were still on the other time zone when they laced up the skates. You know, so I I can't imagine. I mean, I was groggy for four days flying (laughs) from California back home. I can't imagine how hockey players do or football players, baseball players, doesn't matter. Any athlete, you know, to have a game in one time zone and then have to fly home to play the next day at home. Like, I just I don't understand the schedule. I don't. It's like they sit there and go, hmm, how can we make this worse? Yeah. Yeah, I know. And, you know, I, I do get that there's a lot of things to be considered when you are sitting down and you're structuring a schedule. Like, what what is in the pipeline of each venue? It, do they yeah. have a concert? Is there an NBA game? Is there a function going on or something like that? There's a lot of things that you have to consider. But, like, it, it, it might seem so weird for a lot of people to think about. But, like, to before the holiday break to have a back-to-back and then come back after the three-day break to have a back-to-back. Right. It just seems kind of like asinine in my opinion. Well, and I mean, and the older Bruins fans, I'm not sure uh, if younger Bruins fans remember this, but every single year they may have played one game at home and then they had to go on the road because the friggin' circus was in town. Yes. And then that's not yes. a joke. I'm being serious. Ringlem, Ringley, Bottom and Brothers, whatever the stupid circus was, every October was in yep. Boston. 
it's like really you couldn't do it during the summer you had to wait till october <laughs> exactly and let me tell you the gar the old garden as much as as of a cathedral that was it was a dump it was yeah. a dump and you could <laughs> smell that you could smell the elephant shit for like weeks after that <laughs> it was i mean you you could smell the sweet smell of fucking somebody burning a joint up in the uh, gallery gods but you also have the hint of uh of um of elephant crap <laughs> well i mean the oh, old so garden nice. too you had the stench of alcohol cigarettes and cigars too because back in the old garden people could smoke it wasn't like it wasn't frowned upon right. you didn't get kicked out if you lit up a cigarette i remember going right. to a Celtics game with my dad we were up in you know up in the rafters and my father's like and i'm like dad you're at a basketball game why are you smoking it's not you know it, it was not yeah. the players smoked in the locker room yeah, I know. <laughs> I used to see pictures of Johnny Pie McKenzie always having a cigarette and a beer. And this is like in, in intermission. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? I wish I could get away with that at my job. <laughs> it certainly would be a happier place. <laughs> right? Yeah. Brian um, has let's a move comment. on. Oh, yeah. Bring, uh, he's got bring back the home and away teams play each other during COVID. When they would play each other two or three games in a row, almost like a mini series. That is a great suggestion. We talked about this on previous podcasts, like almost a year ago. Jeff Merrick have has talked about it on uh, Thirty Two Thoughts, another fantastic program that I listen to regularly. But I like this idea. Like when you go down to Florida, you play the Panthers like twice, and then you go to Tampa Bay and you play them twice. But you're down there for like a couple of days. You can even throw yeah. Carolina in there too. They're close. Yeah, exactly. But what it's doing is it's allowing, yes, you get the scheduled games done, but you're also allowing the players to unwind. You're in an area other than Boston, which I know they always want to be because families are close and so on. But when you're on the road, you just don't want to like fly into a place, practice, play the game fly out of there to go to another destination, practice and play a game, and then fly out of there to go to another destination. I think the players would adjust better their bodies because, like you said, it takes a toll on you when you fly across the country and so on. Why not give the benefit of the doubt of that and like have the players just relax a little bit, get with their boys, go out and see, support the local community and so on, and then – Get some golf in, whatever you know. Right. It just shouldn't. It just shouldn't be flying to a place, play the game, practice, and get out. You know, right. I, I think that I think the players would like this Boston Bruins team right now is so gelled together. It's disgustingly weird that they're all doing it under a new coach, a new regime, whatever you want to call it. It's just something I I thought would take a little time. I did not expect this at all. Shout out to Kevin O'Keefe. He's a co-host on this Block Go Hockey podcast. He was all gas and no brakes several times over the freaking offseason, Sam. He's got a feeling that this team's going to be very special. Him and Cam Neely said the same thing. So it, it's got to be it's got to be good. So, um, so while we're on the subject of restructuring the schedule, I have another topic that I would like to talk about. I forgot to bring this up to you that needs restructuring. Uh oh, go for it. Overtime. Ooh, let's hear it. Let's hear okay. it. 
So I think back to, I think it was the Kings game where it went to the eighth round and they lost the amount of time it took to go through that, that shootout. They could have had another five minute, you know, they could have had a full 10 minute overtime, a three on three. You know what I mean? Like I just, the shootout is the worst. Yeah. And I've actually had several conversations. I don't know about if it was on the podcast or not. I'm sure somebody will let me know later on sometime this week if I mention this. But I like the idea, and I don't, I wish I could give credit to the person who actually mentioned this and got it in my head. I like the idea of going four on four for five minutes. All right. The first whistle are right around. All right. So 10 minute overtime. Mm-hmm. Let's start off with that. Okay. Four on four for the first five. And okay. the first whistle right around the you know the five minute mark. Or it could go on four on four all the way. Go down to three on three. Okay. I just think it increases your chances to get those two points that much quicker. Cool. I hate the shootout. Cool. I absolutely because hate the shootout. When you have an overtime game winner, it is so much more exciting than a stupid shootout. Yeah. It's a skills competition. I it's just the goalie and the shooter. That's it. Right. It's it's the same crap you see in an all-star game. Um, it, so is it um was it Mick Con- Mick Colangelo, I think, said that the one thing the one difference between this year and the previous years is Tuka Rask hated the shutout, hated the shootout. Yeah. So yep. you 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 knew that, you know what I mean? It was like, oh great, we're going to a shootout. I mean, the Bruins were notoriously horrible. In the shootout. Yeah. Um, and now you have Allmark and Swayman who don't hate the shootout. I mean, yeah, you don't want to get to a shootout. You'd rather win in overtime. But at least they're engaged in a shootout, you know. But still, it's yeah. just, it's, it's, no, no. <laughs> yeah. I get that you don't want to play the 20-minute overtime like you do in the playoffs and play till you have a winner. I get that's completely understandable. And I don't want to tie, but I think if you, like you said, if we extend it to 10 minutes, do either four on four for the full 10 minutes or four on four and then three on three, you're going to have more winners in overtime than sitting through eight, nine, 10 rounds of the shootout. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's a, it just seems like a waste to me, but uh, we could always go back to ties. <laughs> That's worse. <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, I mean, but I mean, if you think about it, the losing team is still getting a point. Yeah. The losing team is still getting a point. Yeah. So if you if you win it in overtime, it should be you win it in overtime. Why 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 get the extra point? You know what I mean? So I yep. mean you could go back to a tie then if you want to do that. Do a 10 minute period of overtime and if it ends in a tie, it ends in a tie. Each team gets a point. But if there's a clear winner at the end of overtime, the losing team shouldn't get a point. Agreed. I like so. it. Uh, real quick, I do want to touch on something that um, Mark Diver uh, tweeted out today. He says Boston Bruins prospect Brett Harrison, who plays for the Oshawa Generals, could be traded from his Oshawa team soon. Uh, AHL trade deadline is January 10th. And um, it's at noon, and Brett Harrison is a uh, third-round pick in, I think, 2020. 
Ah, could be wrong on that. But he's got 16 goals and 13 assists, 29 points in 24 games. So uh, he's playing very well and 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 playing well after suffering a lower body injury, uh, which was a broken leg uh, to um, start the preseason leading up to this 2022-23 uh, campaign. Um it's uh this happens this happens a lot when you when the uh OHL the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League and the WHL make trades like this they basically want to load up for the future on on picks and so on so i think that the trade will put Brett Harrison in a very good position to like possibly challenge for uh, a team championship or a league championship or, or or even better Maybe a team that goes to um, that has potential to go to the Memorial Cup. Yeah, those are always options for players like this. Um, but Brett is signed to an entry level deal, and I expect him to fulfill this season in Oshawa. He could possibly go back next year, but I don't see that happen. I think that this is the type of player that could seamlessly fit right into the Providence Bruins lineup as soon as next next year up the middle uh, with some departures. Um, coming over the off season. So uh, Brett's been playing good. He was a, uh, a guest on this black and gold hockey podcast with fellow hosts, uh, Dom Tiano and Kevin O'Keefe. And he talked about that a lot. And if you happen to, if you want to go back on YouTube or, or the, uh, the, uh, the audio podcast uh, platform that you, that you prefer and uh, check out that interview, we'd certainly appreciate it. Uh, any thoughts on Harrison, um, Gail? Unfortunately, that's all you, bud. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I gotta be. I'm right. not gonna. T- I'm not gonna talk about something I don't know because then that takes away from my credibility. So there you go. I love an honest woman. Absolutely. <laughs> um, what else? Let's. Uh, so Ryan let's... brought up that he said three points for regulation, two for overtime wins, one for overtime loss. Too many teams stay close in the standings with a bunch of losses. I say just get rid of the one point for the overtime loss. No reason yeah. to change the two, um, the two points to one points. Just get it, get rid. If it's an overtime loss, it's a loss. Agreed. Good, good. That's just my opinion. From Ryan. But, then, but then the Bruins would be 18 2, you know, because they have two shootout losses on home ice. So very true. Um, Linus Olmark. I'd love to talk about this guy because he's just an un- unbelievable story this year. Uh, really taking control of that number one job in the crease uh, over Jeremy Swayman. I still think that this is a tremendous tandem uh, in net. And how can you not be happy with two goaltenders that are combined making under $6 million on your salary cap? So uh, obviously I got I to gotta say that I'm not particularly – thrilled about the way Jeremy Swayman is playing this season. Um, I think he's taken a kind of a step back into in, in, in his career. Uh, but those are things that are going to happen to young goaltenders. Um, we're seeing great things that are Linus Allmark because Linus is in the wheelhouse of when goaltenders really mature, you know, that they really come into the league and play well. And he's right in that, in that timeline. And we're, reaping the benefits. Uh, I swear to God, sometimes we're not worthy to have a player like this in our, in the crease. Um, but I, I still think that they're, they're really good. I think Swayman's going to be good 
as he continues to to learn and so on and adjust to the league. Um, but you know, it's just uh, I don't I, I I I'm out of words when you talk about Lenius and, and how he's playing. He's 19 one and one, a 1.94 goals against average and a 0.936 save percentage in 23 games played. That's just ridiculous numbers. It is. You know, and th- those. Those are freaking trophy numbers right there. And hopefully that'd be awesome. If he was the Vesna, Vezina, whatever you want to call it. I can't say the word properly. Vesna. Um, Vesna. Yeah, there you go. Uh, if, if he wins that, man, we a lot of the people that did not like this signing are going to um, are gonna eat a bunch of crow. <laughs> well, I think the other thing, too, is that what I really like about him, he's not out of position. You know, like that was something that drove me insane about Tim Thomas and Tukarask. They made flashy saves because they were out of position. His flash is the glove. You know what I mean? Like he made a glove save the other day that I was like, wow, that was a beautiful, you know what I mean? So he's not out of position. And I think it was, who was it? Somewhat, I, and it was in one of my articles. It was a quote that said, "The flashiest saves get the crowd reacting. It's because you're out of position, you know." So I think that's what I love most about him is that he stays in his crease. He's smart. He he tracks the puck well, and he's fully engaged, and he's not out of position. Even last night, that puck that he got initially with the glove, and then he fell backward. It wasn't he wasn't out of position. It just hit his glove the right way that it flipped over his head that he was able to make that save. Now, if he was out of position and he had to lunge across his crease to make the initial save and it went off his glove, that would go in the net. So I think that's why I really, and I have so much confidence in Allmark because he is constantly in position. But that also might be, we might also have to give a ton of credit and I think it's criminally underrated that Bob Asenza and Mike Dunham, the, his assistant uh, goaltender coordinator, whatever, those two have done amazing jobs. Bob's done an amazing job ever since he became a goalie coach in Boston. Right. But the addition of Mike Dunham, former UMaine goaltender uh, and NHLer himself, just rose the bar on how the goalies are developed in this league. And a really good example is when Dan Vladar was uh, in Providence. Um, one year, he got a high ankle sprain in Laval. It was nasty to see, and it was it was really bad. But what they did, what Asenza and Dunham did, was while he was rehabbing, it was constant watching video. It was video, 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 and them telling him, you're a big goaltender. You're you're very athletic and so on, but you don't need to make all these moves. Right. Minimize your movements by staying in the paint. You know, cover your angles, but just stay. Dan, Dan was a, a constant wanderer, like you were mentioned. You'd be out of the crease and then you have to like lunge back to try to make that save. But when once he got back into the into the league after that high sprain injury, got a shutout, by the way. In his first game back, got a shutout, and then basically uh, owned the AHL in goals against, and I think save percentage that year when he came back. 
but he was like, he was just making those subtle movements. He wasn't making the big, like, I need to be out of the crease to cut down this angle and not be available for a second chance opportunity for the opposed, for, you know, a yawning net. Right. The the two goaltending coaches taught him to stay in that paint with minimal movements. And, and look what happened. I think he's, and I think that that's even carrying on to how his game is being played in Calgary. Right. As, as the kind of backup to um, um, Markstrom. But the other thing is too, is you talk about being, you know, um, cutting down the angles and stuff like that a lot of it too could be having the confidence in your defenseman in front of you of knowing, having the communication, I'm going to play the puck. You play, you know what I mean? Having that communication on a two on one or, you know, any type of breakaway, you're seeing that he's not out of position on those, but neither is the defenseman, you know, well, sometimes, but not as often as we've seen in the past. Um, You're seeing the defenseman getting back and getting in either playing the man or the puck not trying to do both and making Allmark make the ultimate decision. It's like, I don't know if it's, if there is communication, because obviously we can't hear them talking um, or even if they work on it in practice. And it, you know, if he comes down the left side, you take the man, I'll take the pot. You know what I mean? I don't know if they're working on that or those conversations, but those plays are definitely a lot tighter than what they've been in the past. Absolutely. Yeah, and all marks all marks positioning has gotten better when the puck is behind the net. I do you remember when he first got here last year? There was a couple of goals that he would be hugging the post, uh-huh. but his head would be away from the post. So they were li- literally playing the ricochet yeah. off of his mask. This year, you see him like really cutting that 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 corner, that top hand yeah. corner, right off, like. You can't see any daylight at all. Yeah. So yeah. those are the those are the small things that he's learned over the time by by being, you know, an NHL goaltender number one and having those mechanics already in hand. But you're also learning from two people that have been there and so on. And Asenza and Dunham are like they absorb the information of new goaltending. As as the game evolves every year, it gets faster, it gets quicker, whatever you want to call it. So does the goaltending and right. two older netminders that have been out of the game for a while constantly have to learn the new trends. What's right. the, the LVH or whatever you want to call it, blah, 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 all that crap has, you know, they want to bring into their own, uh, you know, teachings and so on. So it all around, I think that they've done a really good job and they do get criminally underrated like Mitch Korn and, and um, uh, uh, Rue, whatever his name is. Those guys get all the glory when it comes to freaking goaltending coaches, but these two, I, 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 I severely get underrated. All right, what do we got? We got about twenty minutes to go before this mo this Christmas Eve special is over. I want to thank Gail Triani for joining the the program today, the live stream, and the podcast, and uh, obviously, uh, happy holidays, Merry Christmas to everybody. That's that's tuned in and, and provided us questions in the live chat. We really, really appreciate the interaction. Um, keep it going. We got a couple more minutes to go. Um, if you guys want to uh, hear something, uh, hear us uh, answer a question or anything like that. Or if not, we're probably just going to wrap it up right now. Uh, give everybody an opportunity to, to grab a question or two. Um, but like I said, if not, we're just going to 
do our end of the show details and wrap this up and, and, you know, go hang out with family and I'm going to have some drinks. I'm going to eat some food. I'm going to have some <laughs> drinks. I'm going to, you know, hang out with my Courtney. We're going to have, do our, I'm going to watch Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. Oh my God. I haven't watched that in years. <laughs> I have to, ever since I think we moved here, we've been at my house for 12 years now. I think for the past four years, I've been on a, um, on a on a trend of uh new year christmas eve of watching emmett otters because i grew up on that so many nice. years ago nice. yeah, yeah yeah so my michael just got home from work so um he uh he was out like mike sullivan delivers for the postal service my husband oh, yeah. for a shipping company that delivers fedex so he's been leaving the house at quarter past six every morning getting home close to eight o'clock every night it's a miracle he's home early today, so I'm looking forward to having a nice, quiet evening with him, and uh, only one of our children is home with us tonight, so we'll have some dinner and, you know, partake maybe in a couple of beverages ourselves, but there you you go. Know, wake up tomorrow morning to Santa, leaving all those presents. Absolutely. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, since we uh, we don't have any questions, why don't we wrap that up so you can get with you, Michael, as soon as possible. Um I do want to say thank you very much to everybody who has participated in in this live stream. Gail for coming on, giving me the time today. Absolutely rock star. Please follow her and also follow her Bruins writings at the NHL level, but also please follow her for the uh, Bruins alumni um, uh, project that she's been working on very well with, with Jerry Tapazzini and um, the uh, Bruins alumni folk uh, getting interviews and so on and, and being close to them as a media member. So please follow her at Lady Bruins fan. Um, why don't we do the uh, Patreon um, giveaway uh, this week, this month, actually. I, so what we do is we buy a jersey like this, one for every month of the year. So I have, a, I have Rick Middleton. I have... Jerry Cheevers, I have, um, um, I think I have, I don't know who else I have, but I have a bunch of them. <laughs> we buy these from uh, Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. This is fully authenticated, hand-signed by Derek Sanderson. And uh, up here it says 7072 Stanley Cup champs right there. Beautiful jersey, fully sewn and everything. It is awesome. Yep. And uh, this is all for a dollar. So one dollar per episode will get you one of the you like the juggling thing I'm going doing over here. Um, one dollar per episode will get you eligibility to be a part of the Patreon membership. And what we do is one uh, 50, 50 cents of your dollar every episode goes into paying some of the bills here at the Black and Gold Sports Media Company, and the other half goes into purchasing more items to give away. For those financial, uh, for those financial supporters. So, if you please go to Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, I'm sorry, Patreon.com/slash Black and Gold Hockey Podcast and donate a dollar, you'll be eligible. And um, I want to say thank you very much to everybody who has done that. We have over 60 Patreon members, which is awesome because I don't buy jerseys out of my own pocket. It's you guys that buy all these things for future future giveaways. This month is december we gave away a ray bork prize pack in october we gave away a andy moog hand signed jersey last month for november and this month is the um the derek sanderson jersey and the winner is 
Uh, I don't remember her last name, but I remember her on Twitter. Her name is Michelle Mybell, and she's a fantastic oh. Boston Bruins fan. She's awesome, her. and she's she's been a, uh, a financial supporter for a while. I think she is even gracious enough to give us $5 for each episode, way above and beyond the $1 that I asked for. But um, congratulations, Michelle. I will do my best to get these out to you. Um, uh, Patreon giveaways have been busy lately. Um, uh, have not, I haven't been up to, uh, uh, deliver these yet, but they will be out soon. Just been trying to find some time to, to get everything traveling to work and blah, blah, blah. So folks, please be patient. You're going to get your jerseys. I, I promise you, I promise you, but we do thank everybody for the financial support. I also want to give a shout out to everybody that is, has watched this program and also retweets a lot of our black and gold hockey productions, uh, content, whether it be th- this live stream our podcast or any of the writers on our team. We really appreciate all that stuff. Yeah. Moving our content forward is huge. Um, but with that being said, Gail, um, I want to wish everybody happy holidays, Merry Christmas, however you want to say it. Happy uh, uh, Hanukkah, whatever. Um, but you know, like I said earlier to start the program, um, if you do go out tonight or, or anytime during the holiday season and you happen to be drinking, please don't drive. Uh, grab a lift, grab an Uber, grab a friend, a sober friend, and you know, um, do it safely because nobody needs to be dead or or hurt or in jail. <laughs> right. This holiday season, excuse me. Um, but uh, I just want to say thanks for all the support we've gotten from so many, so many great, great people. It really means a lot to us, and we're just going to keep uh, doing a lot of these things on the website and and. Uh, Tons of stuff coming. 2023 is going to be a really good year for uh, Black and Gold Productions. I really feel it. We've gotten NHL credentials in 2022. We've always had the AHL credentials. We've always had the East Coast credentials. We're looking for writers. If you guys want to uh, jump on, let me know. Send me an email, Productions at gmail.com. I probably said that wrong. But anyway, I need to go have an eggnog. <laughs> It's, it's Christmas time, but yeah, I'm, I'm babbling my words and I'm, I'm getting excited to do the Christmas thing. So with that being said, that's Gail, Tri- that's Gail Triani. I'm Mark Allred. This is the Black Gold Hockey Podcast, episode 310. We want to thank everybody. We'll have Steve back on next week. It's the holidays, so it was kind of tight scheduling. We were going to do it yesterday, but uh, the weather, we weren't sure about those winds and the, and the internet connection and the power. So, um, but anyway... You guys have a great holiday season. We'll be back next week talking Boston Bruins. The wagon continues. Peace out. Merry Christmas, everyone. Thanks again for tuning in and supporting this week's episode of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating and write a review on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. If you'd like to contact the show for advertising opportunities or to send us a question or topic idea we should be discussing, please send us an email to blackandgoldproductionsllc at gmail.com. Don't forget to share our program on your social media platforms with other hockey fans and follow our Twitter accounts at blackandgoldpod, at bngproductions, at blackandgold277, and at Kevin underscore O'Keefe 89. Also, please don't forget to check out our official blackandgoldhockey.com website where we cover the Bruins organization from the NHL level down to the prospects worldwide. Peace out.